Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek! What's up? Hey guys, welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek. This is Justin, sitting to the right of me. It's Chrissy. Say hello to Chrissy. Hey. I know we're posting this late, as opposed to, you know, on time. We need to figure out a schedule. You know the phrase, better late than never? Sure. At this point, I'm going to say no. That based on the movies that we saw this week, maybe never would have been better than late. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Well, certainly the latter more than the former. We just saw, well, first the the, the movie that is somewhat tolerable, which was um, Rules of Attraction. And then we saw this one. Requiem for a Dream. Chrissy, how did you not see Requiem for a Dream earlier than 2011? Gee, I don't know. Maybe I was doing fun things like riding merry-go-rounds and dancing and singing and enjoying flowers and tea and frappuccinos and good things in life. <laughs> you know this came out in 2000. You were, were you riding a lot of merry-go-rounds in the year 2000? Yes. Yes, I was. And swinging on swings. I want you to know, guys, when I took notes for this movie, I actually, I always t- write the title at the top. I wrote Requiem for a Dream, and towards the end, I crossed out Dream and wrote Requiem for a Slip My Wrists and Make It Go Away. No, that's the other movie. The, the other movie's called Requiem for a Slip My Wrists and Make It Go Away? No, I was just referencing the scene. Oh, well, yeah, but at least that was more tolerable. <laughs> Justin, Why? Why did you make me see this? Well, you've talked about wanting to see it for a while now. Requiem for a Dream? No, I haven't. I didn't even know it existed. What are you talking about? Of course you knew it existed. No, I didn't. How did you not know it existed? I didn't. I don't know. Again, I like unicorns and things of happiness. Rainbows. That sort of thing. Mariah Carey. I don't know what this has to do with Requiem for a Dream and how I apparently, according to you, wanted to see it. Well, what does Mariah Carey have to do with happiness? She does rainbows and butterflies and good stuff like that. Mm, Good stuff. Yes. Debatable. Anyway, um, no. We started out by watching Rules of Attraction. and Which I was lukewarm on to begin with. Well, again, we had caught a, a scene from this movie on, like... HBO or something, and you're like, oh, I want to see the rest of that to figure out what the hell's going on. So so we watched that, and then for the other one, we had another movie in mind, but it really didn't match up well with Rules of Attraction. So I remembered we had said that we were going to watch Requiem for a Dream, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. It goes completely, completely with Rules of Attraction. No, 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 no. Ding, ding. I'm calling you out. What? You didn't say... Oh, 
We talked about seeing Requiem for a Dream. I think we'll watch it because I think it better matches rules of attraction. No, basically oh, you were like. Buddy the, what, <laughs> buddy the Elf? No, that's just it. You weren't. You were like, okay, we're watching Requiem for a Dream. And I was like, what is? And you're like, we're watching Requiem for a Dream. We're late on the podcast. Let's go, go, go. We do it now. And I was like, why? I'm not sure I want to watch it. What are we, old people? We're going to watch Requiem for a Dream. That's kind of how that went down. I was not hazing you. I was not a drill sergeant. I said, hey, I, let's watch Wrecking for a Dream. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and somehow all those other words came about but didn't happen. Regardless of how we came about, you still haven't really explained why you wanted me to watch the Requiem first, Slip My Wrists, and Make It Go Away movie. Okay. Um, it came out in 2000. I was actually out here in L.A. when I first saw it. And I will always remember the first time I saw it because I think it was with two other people and they had never seen it as well. And right when the credits came up, we were like, well, that was depressing. <laughs> so you thought, I know, what what, what a perfect evening with my wife. I will depress her with this horrible movie. Well, I don't think it's a horrible movie. I just think it's not... A movie that you're going to watch over and over again because it's highly disturbing. I feel emotionally drained. Like, I kind of want to hide under the covers of my bed and not come out for a week. You know, the best reaction you said was, I'm really angry. And that's like the best reaction you could ever have to a movie, to a movie you know? No, because you're misplacing my anger, honey. I wasn't angry with the movie as much as I was angry at you for making me watch the movie. Oh, well, wait. So. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I think I got a, a Wham Burger in oh the oven for you. Lord. How about some French cries? Oh, shut up. <laughs> See, and that's just it. Now I have no patience either. Now it's just I'm like, a movie. No, it's not. Uh, and Antichrist was just a movie. And that other movie that we saw recently that was terrible that made me have nightmares was just a movie. What movie was that that I hated? I Come on, know. recently. After know. Antichrist. I have no idea. This movie was way more popular than either of those movies. Well, thank God. I mean, not really. But, like, <laughs> at least other people will be able to share my pain. They'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, overall, what did you not like about Record for a Dream? The fact that everything was gray. Oh, Winter's Bone. That's what I was thinking. There was like, hey, Winter's Bone was great. And I was like, Winter's Bone makes me want to cry. But. So there's, so to you, only good movies are movies that make you happy. No, no, no. I like movies that make me sad, but can they at least have some sort of color? I think I don't do well with movies that are washed out, like on purpose. I don't like it when it's washed out. It's so dreary, and it's so depressing, and not in a good way, not like good depressing where you're sad or it makes you think. It's just like, womp, womp. Okay, so you don't like washed out movies? I don't. I hate washed out movies. <laughs> okay. And I don't like gimmicky, sorry, I almost said it, the S word, but I don't. I don't like gimmicky stuff. Like, I feel like Darren, um, I'm going to say his last name wrong, but I think it's um, Aronofsky? Aronofsky? Aronofsky. Thank you. Black Swan guy. He did this movie. And the problem I have with what he did here is that he uses gimmicky stuff like instead of ever showing anybody actually getting high because it's a you know recurring theme of sadness, by the way. It's done with these like 
like little snapshots of a pupil being dilated or something that looks like cocaine possibly being snorted, but you never see anybody doing it off of a table or, you know, coffee dripping into a pot. But it's done ad nauseum over and over again, almost like the assembly line of typewriters in a musical. Like, it just... The assembly of typewriters in a musical. I was thinking of Thoroughly Modern Millions which, speed test. <laughs> I was like, what... <laughs> Which musical is this? Certainly Modern Melly. Typewriter, the musical. No. We're putting together for typewriters. <laughs> it's the big part of the show. I'm putting this one together now. No. It's the most important typewriter. No, but there's like an assembly line sort of quickness to it where it's like this sound, this sound, this sound, this sound, this sound, this sound, this sound you know, it's like that. And well, yeah, it kind of, you know. It makes it's like clockwork to them. I hate it. You don't like clockwork. It was, no, it was gimmicky. Well, see, we'll talk about the rules of attraction after this one, but um, they both are movies that use like slow down time or sped up time. In rules of attraction, I kind of thought it was like okay, like it really doesn't make any sense. But in this movie, especially the like ultra-disturbing um, Ellen Burstyn part of the movie. It's like she's on... She's hopped up on, you know, diet pills. I don't know. Here, Okay, here's why I understand about Ellen Burstyn's whole thing. Actually, her storyline really kind of held it together for me. Uh-huh. The entire movie. I, I honestly felt like I was watching it just to see what happened to Ellen Burstyn's character. I didn't really care about the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but towards the end... It completely unraveled for me when, spoiler alert, she really goes crazy on the diet pills. You know, as opposed to taking one, she's taking four at a time. And this was back, you know, in the, in the late 90s. And, you know, Fen-Fen was in everything back then. And so, understandably, she has, um, like, an episode. She basically has, like, a psychotic break in the middle of a TV studio and has to be hospitalized. But after that... Mm-hmm. Why were they still treating her like she was an insane bipolar mental patient and they had to, like, strap her down and they weren't even talking to her? They were just kind of, like, force-feeding her and it was never really explained. Like, she was actually crazy after that point. And I was like, what the what the F? What happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, she was hopped up on diet pills. That's curable. She didn't... But she was talking nonsense in the studio. Right, because but. she was hopped up on Fen-Fen. Okay. But then they, you know, they're supposed to, I don't know, maybe pump her stomach or give her something to counteract the Fen-Fen. Some jello? Well, whatever it is. I mean, like, it's when somebody's on anything, if like heroin, you know, you hospitalize them and you give them other, like, um, methadone or whatever to, you know, help them come off of it, and then you mm-hmm. give them therapy. They just kind of, like, strapped her in a chair and tried to feed her oatmeal and never talked to her. And I didn't understand. And then all of a sudden, she actually, it seemed like she actually was crazy. Mm-hmm. What the hell, Darren, Aaron, whatever? Yeah. Way to explain that. Well, I think it was assumed that, because they had the doctor come in and say, you know, we've been trying this, we've been trying this, it's not working, this is not working. But not working for What? Making her, you know... Making her what? She was on diet pills. Not crazy. Stop the diet pills. They did. Right. But she was still crazy. How would they know? They never even talked to her. They just didn't show all the talking to her on the screen. No, they didn't. She, like, they stopped the diet pills and immediately strapped her in a gurney. Like, that was it. 
That was it. No, but they gave her other pills and they said they weren't working. Working for what, though? Who cares? Me! Well, I'm sorry. I, I didn't make the movie. I can't answer every but question. But you made me watch it! Wow. You were just... Groaner. No, on this movie, I mean, I'm not like this on all the podcasts. I just have nothing. I feel like I'm, I feel like I have nothing positive to say. Okay. Well, again, this is, I did, I didn't, we don't, every movie we don't watch on this podcast is my favorite movie. If, you know, every movie we don't watch on this podcast isn't, uh, you know, a nineties romantic comedy. <laughs> no. We got it. We, oh, we Lord. Th- this week was the, um, Highly disturbing and somewhat disturbing double feature. I can't even say like it's like the let's eat broccoli so we can watch have out the for ice drugs, cream. kids. Like that's basically the thing I get from this movie is don't do heroin and coke, don't do diet pills. Really, you know what I get from this movie? What? Don't leave your mother alone. You know, in a one bedroom apartment where she's all by herself and has no friends and no job and possibly no money, and she just dreams of like seeing people and having friends again and possibly having grandchildren and eventually going on a TV show because that's all I got from it. And now I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> she had friends. She had her yeah her, her, her apartment buddies who were also crazy sitting outside with her and making it worse. What? I'm sorry. I might be projecting a little bit about my own mother, but. This yeah, that's all I got from it. I was like, "Holy crap! Must go up north and see my mother every day." Oh wow! Yeah, uh, that happened. Don't take diet pills. <laughs> this is not Jesse Spano on Saved by the Bell. Okay, she was not so excited. She went crazy and had to be strapped to a gurney. Yeah, but she also went to a doctor, and the doctor was like, barely looked at her. Of course, that was played that way, but... And you know what else I got from this movie? That's how they do it today, man. Just give them some drugs. Come back in a month. I know. But you know what else I got from it, from her storyline? What? Don't turn away people who either call you at the TV studio or come down and I'm like, and are like, I, I just want to be on and I just want to do this and that because then, you know, you might make them feel bad and they might have to be hospitalized. Be nice to people. Dude, just, you know, live by the golden rule. You can't save everyone. You can't save every crazy person out there. You know, try not to be crazy yourself. Don't do heroin. Don't do coke. Don't do diet pills. Go visit your mother. Go right visit, now. Go visit your mother every now and then. Every don't, person out there. Don't go visit steal your mother. TV. You know, don't steal her TV. And then have to buy it back again. Never have to buy it back again. Incidentally, didn't we stop electroshock therapy in like 1963? Did we? No, I don't think so. But I, I haven't done a lot of I haven't heard of anybody studies. still doing that. You know what we should do? What? We should watch out for Jared later. Je- who? Jared Leto. I said Because he's kind of weird. Well, duh. We knew that. No, we didn't know that until we saw him in one of our favorite L.A. eateries, and he decided to stare at the side of my head. What eatery was this? Huh? Where did we see him? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm trying, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, the place where I like to get a veggie burger with kale salad. That could be anywhere, though I think I know where you're talking about now. Anyway, you were there. You don't remember? No. Kim, Kim was there? No. 
Okay. Must have been one of those times where Chrissy was sleeping in her head. No, I, I just have, as we've discussed, like early Alzheimer's and I forget things. But I'm sure it happened. Um, what did you think of um, him in this movie? He's just as weird in this movie as he is in real life, as he is in his band, as he can be. So you were pretty much F him because he's an asshole to his mom. No, I mean, it was it was just kind of like, oh, par for the course. Here's Jared Leto being weird and possibly high. You know, it, it just seemed like, again, par for the course for him. And yeah, it didn't help that he wasn't cool to his mom. I had a um, hard time. I don't know. I just didn't care about him. Uh, and then when his arm got all gross, I was really mad at the hospital staff. Like, why aren't they doing anything about his arm? What? What? Why is he suddenly now in jail with, like, can you work? Can you see me? Can you hear me? All right, you're cleared for work. Like, how did that happen? He had, like, gangrene in his arm. Yeah, I assume most hospitals, even if, you know, he comes and he's a druggie, that they would treat the arm and then send him to jail. Of course. I don't understand that, how that whole thing happened. Well, there you go. Don't, don't do heroin, because you might get sent to jail without... Getting your gangrene arm treated first. Hell, Darren Aronofsky. You know what? They should just show this movie to, you know, middle schoolers instead of, or not instead um, of. Um, did you miss the whole naked heroin party? I'm not sure they should show it to middle schoolers. They should learn about that, too. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the drug part, like the heroin part. Uh, you know, after you watch this movie, your first thought isn't, Let's go get some heroin and, you know, no, inject it into our No, let's go split our, our wrists in the bathtub and write our mom letters about how much we love her. Let's go to a weird sex party with double-sided dildos. Ew. That's another I scene. Jennifer, I wonder if Jennifer O'Connelly really realized that she was actually a prostitute. Jennifer O'Connelly? No, I said Connelly. Jennifer Connelly? Yeah, if she realized well, she, that she was a prostitute. Well... She'd already been, you know, giving away her body for money slash drugs. So she was already prostituting herself out in that way. This was just the next evolution? Yeah, this, you know, I, I really loved her as a kid. I loved her in, uh, was it Labyrinth? She was in Labyrinth. Oh. You never saw Labyrinth? I did. I didn't care. And she was also in Career Opportunities where she was stuck in that Walmart for the whole movie with that guy. No idea what you're talking about. And you were like, I want to be that guy stuck in a Walmart with Jennifer Connelly. See, all I could think of is either Natalie Portman where she's stuck in a Walmart or... It's kind of like that, but instead of... Or Jennifer Aniston. Instead of girl. her being pregnant, she's hot and she's like roller skating around to like music. All right. That's cool. Why does anybody only watch infomercials in this movie? It's either the 976 juice thing or it was the the Jared Leto looking at jewelry when he was waiting to hear back from Jennifer Connelly. I don't understand. I was like, do they not have real TV shows or even the news? I don't know. That was the only channel, I guess. I mean, no, there has to be some sort of symbolism. Symbolism? There, symbolism. There's a lot of symbolism involved. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. It just it didn't make sense. And they were always like, we're going to juice Sarah Goldfarb. Juice, juice. I was like, does juice mean drugs? Like, is that what we're talking about? I just imagined this as she was watching the, the like, the magic bullet infomercial. 
and she was just really excited by it. So she just watched it over and over and over and over again. Like it, like it was a video or something. Or how older, you know, people watch Will of Fortune every night. Yeah. They watch it every night, and I'm sure they're like, "I could do this. I'm gonna be on this show someday. No, I want to do this." That's so sad. It's so sad. That's what this movie is. It's sad. It is sad. And not good sad. Like sad where I'm afraid I'm going to have nightmares about it. Where I'm going to wind up in one of these weird colorless dreams where everything is washed out. And people are going to be on drugs. And people are going to be sad. And I can't get them out of it. And I'll be like, why am I here? Oh, wait, that's right. Because I watched Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, there needs to be happier heroin movies. Basketball Diaries was a good heroin movie. That movie was sad, too. But it was good. But it was sad. But it was good. You didn't leave the Basketball Diaries feeling like you wanted to go drown yourself. I don't know. I kind of did. You you wanted to go drown yourself after that movie? Maybe just Leo. Jim Carroll makes it okay. He's okay at the end. Mark Wahlberg, not so much. I don't know. I'm just saying. See, like, you even know. You're like, I don't know. It's this movie. It's what it does to people. Okay. Well, just because a movie's depressing doesn't mean it sucks. This movie does. <laughs> I don't care if it's depressing. Like I said, Basketball Diary is also somewhat depressing. But, like, they didn't, they totally unraveled Sarah Goldfarb's story. They didn't ever explain why Jared Leto's arm wasn't taken care of. Like, it's just. Chrissy, every single detail in every movie can't be explained to no, you. No, but, you know, main, main storylines would be nice. He was a junkie. They, they're like, you know, screw him. Go to jail and. To have your arm chopped off. But that doesn't happen. Dude, in L.A., they drop off people that have been, just had major surgery on the street corner. You're so, right, you're right. But they've had major surgery. They made it that far in the process. Dude, our, our whole health industry sucks. So something like this could happen, definitely. Like, it could happen. You know, screwed up shit happens every day. Still in, in our health industry. Still doesn't explain how Sarah Goldfarb went from Fen Fen to pure crazy. Well, her her friends, you know, number one, her one friend shouldn't even recommended the doctor who just, you know, divvied out diet pills instead of putting her on a diet or whatever. Well, duh. Shoot. Anyway. All right. So, <laughs> so wait. So the 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 last. Scene with a double dildo that didn't up it anyway. Really? Is that, a, is that a legitimate question? Ass to ass. No, no. Your family's listening to this, Justin. Ew. <laughs> I'm talking about the movie. I know you are, but they don't. Well, okay, well, they don't have to watch the movie. Because you've told them, Hey, guys, 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 there's this one part where this one guy goes, Ass to ass. That's kind of disturbing, you have to admit. Especially, yeah. Especially since one of the guys you thought was Candyman. <laughs> I really did think the guy was Candyman. That would have been a lot scarier <laughs> if it was like, Ass to ass. <laughs> oh, oh shit, Candyman. Candyman's got a double side deal, though. This is disgusting. This is... <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation anymore. I'm done. Candyman likes dildos. And did you see the big old heroin bruise on her butt, too? Yeah, well... Yeah. Yeah, 
It's oh, that was the least of her problems. Well, she she had a sad backstory, man. You could tell that she, all of her value was wrapped up in how you know what men thought of her. Yeah. And Marlon Wayans had a you know sad backstory with his mom. Everyone has said agreed, backstory. but he was probably the most redeeming character in the whole thing. Yeah, he still ended up in jail. Which is sad. So, Justin... Every time I hear the, the score, though, I'm like, oh, I remember the first time I watched it where it starts going, that whole thing. It's a famous score. Yeah. Okay. Burster won an Oscar for this, right? I don't know. I think she did. Or at least she was She was great. I'm totally going to give her props for being great, but... Jeez. Like, talk about... Disturbed at the end of the day. Like, take take that with you. No, no thanks. So, what would be your final score for *Requiem for a Dream*? D. D. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. And you go. I don't hate it as much as you do, but that doesn't mean that I think it's like a great movie to watch over and over. I just think it's a well-made, disturbing movie. That's just it. I don't think it's well-made, and that's why I'm, I'm giving it a D. Not because it was depressing, like I know you think that's what I'm doing, but. You had probably more problems with the script, though. I had major problems with the script and the storytelling techniques that they used. I think they were gimmicky. Okay. Let's show how sad this movie is by not giving it any color. And let's, you know, do these, like I said, the gimmicky, like, little action shots that remind me of sound effects. It was, it was just stupid. Agree to disagree. Fine. <laughs> I have a stomachache over this. Moving on. Helen. No. <laughs> Be my double-sided dildo victim. Oh, no. Okay, so rules of attraction. Oh, God. <laughs> it came out, I guess, a couple years after Wrecking for a Dream, based on a Brett Easton Ellis novel of the same name that I read, I guess, in the high school or whatever, college. What did you think of the movie? First of all, it's very hard for me to transition from that movie to this one, but I'll do my best. What? They both have highly disturbing scenes in them. No? I seem to remember you being disturbed by a few of them. Well, I mean, it wasn't... Yeah, I didn't find it undisturbing, but it's not like a... Let's just, you know, segue... Undisturbing. Yeah? Okay, go. Did I pick up a word? I don't think undisturbing is a word, is it? Just, I don't know. Okay. But, you know, I don't know. Okay, so Rules of Attraction. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they made this right around the time that Dawson's Creek was still on the air. And so it's weird because James Vanderbeek still looks like Dawson. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as opposed to, like, now if he made it, where you go... Take off your Dawson mask! <laughs> I'm confused! <laughs> No, but I mean, like, he's still that age where you're like, oh, it's Dawson. And I'm like, what is Dawson doing? Why is he a jerk in this? And why does he carry around Jack Daniels? I don't understand. Is that his own personal bottle or what? Why is everything backwards? Why are you cheating on Katie Holmes? Yeah. I had a moment where I was like, Joey Potter's going to be very upset about this. Yes. Well, this was a movie and that was a TV series and he is an actor who was an actor. A what? Take off your Dawson mask! <laughs> okay. I understand, but do you think that he did this movie specifically get away from the Dawson stereotype? 
I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah. Because this guy was like the total opposite. In the same way that Katie Holmes, you know, took her top off for that one movie and then married into, you know. Yes. Scientology for the rest of her. I don't think she did that because she was Joey Potter on Dawson's Creek. An afterlife. I don't think that had anything to do with that. I think you're. You don't know. Some of the choices that she made during that time kind of led to the choice to, you know, submit her her life and afterlife to Scientology. What woman, by the way? I mean, men are so different from women. I was I was making a notice. I don't know any woman who would sit at home and do heroin between her toes, you know, playing the clarinet, smoking pot out of their belly button. Like, who does that? Only men do that sort of thing. Like, women don't do that. Women go to parties and have double-sided dildos to get their fix. They don't sit at home with pot in their belly button and, you know, do heroin between their toes. It's such a guy thing to do. It's not even a guy's thing. That's just a Fred Savage thing to do, apparently, in this movie. (laughs) But, like, a woman would never do that. Well, obviously never any woman, women that you've met, but I'm sure there's some crazy crackheads out there doing stuff like that. Like, the people in the fighter, they were, like, you know, hanging out in their cracked in goofing off I don't know if they had a clarinet but let's discuss this college that all these kids went to um what kind of college was this I, I asked you that during and you were like it's a liberal arts college it's, it's like a New England liberal arts college dude it was I don't I, th- I don't think they based it in a real college obviously because of all the things you know found in the movie they could just call it Harvard or whatever. Harvard? Huh? That, Harvard? That that famous school, Harvard? No, I said Harvard. It sounded like you said Harvard. They could have done that, but I, I think that would have been a stretch. <laughs> I think Harvard would have known. But, I mean, I had friends who went to, you know, New England liberal arts colleges, mm-hmm. and I think, like, the worst that it got was that they didn't force you to wear shoes to classes. Like, you could walk around barefoot if you wanted. Well, dude, this is a Brett Easton Ellis, you know, book. That means have... nothing to me. Yeah, well, he wrote about, you know, pretty much the douchebags and assholes of college age and how they all they cared about was doing drugs and having sex. Is that true? Doing drugs and having sex. Huh? Is that true? What do you mean? Is that all college people care about? I don't know, Chris. You were in college as well. Yes, but I went to a commuter school where we, we got in, went to class, and got out. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different experience. I mean, it's not a blanket statement, but I'm sure, you know, that's when you're college age, a lot of your time is devoted to drinking and, you know, dating. I guess I missed out on that. You did? Well, either it happened and I wasn't a part of it or it didn't happen because of the fact that I went to a commuter school, but... I mean, it wasn't as, uh, there was a lot of scenes in this movie where you're like, okay, obviously you go to a party like this, what was it called, the dress to get screwed or yeah. into the world into party? The world par- they had a few. There's not a lot of bunch of, you know, half-naked chicks just chilling out in the open with nerds or whatever. Well, it felt like they watched Can't Hardly Wait and said, yeah, let's do a movie like that that involves a party scene. Like that, except the chicks will be naked, and there will be a lot more alcohol, and it won't be in those red stupid cups. It'll actually be in, like, the bottles, and they'll drink it straight out of the bottle. 
Yeah, I'm sure someone was watching. Can't hardly wait, taking notes. Yeah. Saying, okay. Okay, we're rambling. What? So, overall, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. What didn't you like about it? What didn't I like about it? Yeah. Well, the whole thing, I have a really hard time, as you may have noticed, with movies that unravel towards the end. And I just don't understand, like, it all just kind of started unraveling, and then at the end, it just, like, it ended. It ended. It's well, done. Well, the whole book is like that. It's, you know, there's three main characters, and it starts, like, in the middle of their story, and it kind of ends without the whole story told. Yeah, I know, and that really bothered me. Well, that's the way the book is, and that's the way the movie is. Well, it sucks. <laughs> you missed out on one word that he, that he you know, missed out at the end. That's why you're angry? Well, it's not just, like, one word. Like, you know, everything just kind of starts to unravel. Like, you never find out whether James Vanderbeek knows that it was the hopeless crazy girl who was writing him notes, you know? Though he goes on believing the whole time that... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why was she hopeless and crazy? Because she committed suicide after he didn't go for it. Oh. Yeah. That's what makes you hopeless and crazy in my book. She was always in the 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 background. Right. That was really weird. Hopeless and crazy. The way they did that, dude. You're assaulting her character. Spade. I'm calling a spade a spade. (laughs) Whoa. Hey, if you stand in the background the whole time and you never even make contact with the guy that you're like obsessing about, and then you keep writing him love letters, and then afterward you commit suicide. What part of that isn't hopeless or crazy? Take away the suicide, and she was pretty much like Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle. She was not stalking him like that. Yes. No. Actually, Meg Ryan should have wrote Tom Hanks some, like, sparkly purple, you know, love notes. Not the same. But, yeah, that was definitely disturbing, especially because... I think in middle school I had, like, a similar thing happen where... Really? Somebody committed suicide over you? No. No. (laughs) That's sad. I'm sorry. At 10 years old, too. (laughs) Jeez. What? Middle school? Maybe 11. That was elementary school. Okay. No, like a girl, like, out of the blue, sent me a love note, and I'm like, I don't even know you. (laughs) Like, why is this happening to me? But did you know who wrote it? Huh? But did you, like, at least know who wrote it? I knew who it was, but I really didn't know her. Right. You know? Yeah. And then she committed suicide. Wait, for real No. Oh. I had to, like, stop for a second. I'm like, what? Never mind. Dude, but that scene in this movie, ultra super disturbing. Oh, sure it is. Because they used that song. Was it All By Myself? No, what was it? I kind of wish it were All By Myself right now, because that would have been almost funny. All by myself. Suicide is never funny. No, it's not. I'm being facetious. She was being truthful. She was? You. Me? Yeah. No. No? No. Okay. It's not the answer, kids. You know what else is not the answer? What? Owing drug dealers money. Not a good game plan. Yeah. Probably shouldn't be doing drugs in the first place. But definitely don't owe them money. Because then they beat you up. (laughs) And they possibly beat up your friends. Although, my favorite line in this entire movie is, what (laughs) what does it look like? Do you think I have an asshole on my elbow? 
an asshole on my elbow. You know what's funny? I knew you enjoyed that line when it happened. And I was like, please tell me he didn't have me watch this whole movie because he really likes that one line and he remembered that line and that's why we're watching this. No, we watched this movie because we we saw a scene in the middle of the movie on HBO and you're like, I want to see that movie. And I was like, I've got it right over there. And then we saw it. You know what's really funny though about this week is that when this movie week started, you were like, hey, I'm going to let you pick the movies this week. And I was like, oh my God, really? I get to pick the movies for the So I Married, have you in the I Married Movie Geek podcast? That's amazing. And you were like, yeah, it has to be from Netflix streaming though. So I go on Netflix and I'm like, what about this one? No one's heard of that. What about this one? No documentaries. What about this one? Who cares about Alan, Ellen Burstyn? Okay. Uh, all right. Let's go back to the movie. And then, and then I can, and then like I, I came up with two, and you were like, "Babe, no, let's do this." So you chose anyway. Okay. What does that have to do with the movie? It went on a tangent. Because they didn't enjoy these movies. Yeah, I suck. I don't choose enough movies that Chrissy likes. Wah, wah, wah. I liked Ian Selmerhalder. Huh? Selmerhalder. You liked him? Yes. Good. I think he's just okay because he wasn't lost, but then he, spoiler warning, died rather stupidly. Like a plane. I didn't watch Lost, but that means nothing to me. plane fell on his head. All right. Sorry Um, about that. I really want to go back to 2001. Oh, they played some song at one point, and they were, I think at one of their various parties, and the hairstyles and the song, and just reminded me, and I was like, that was a fun time. All right, let's play a quick game, because we don't have a lot of time. What? Who, uh, basically you watch a Brett Easton Ellis movie, and you're like, who do I hate the least? Like, whose character do I hate the least? Mm-hmm. So whose character do you hate the least in this movie? Ian Soberholder. The bisexual Paul Denton guy. Yes. You hated him the least. Yep. What did you like about him to hate him the least? Well, I always have sympathy for gay or bisexual characters in general uh-huh. in TV and film. They have to be really douchey for me to not like them, basically, because I feel like the cards are already stacked against them, and that makes them an underdog in a way. So I root for them more in general just because I know that other people are not rooting for them. Okay, that's it? That has nothing to do with this movie? Just because just he was bisexual? Well, and therefore he's not a total douche. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's some, you know, bisexual douches out there that we could find. Well, I'm sure, but like he basically spent the whole movie pining after somebody who was unattainable because he was heterosexual and a jerk. So, he's not like terribly unlikable. He just, I mean, does some unlikable things, but like you said, out of everybody in the movie, I would say he's probably... Who's number two? Who did you hate the least? Um, the main girl. What's her name? Uh, Shannon Sossaman. Yes. Even though you had issues with her haircut. And her footwear. What so was you... wrong with her choice in footwear? Was it an orthopedic problem? It might have been. Okay. Subtext. Oh, that's different. <laughs> but her hair with like the, with the short like side. With like, yeah, the phasing or fading or whatever they call it. That's getting back in again and I don't understand... Let's just shave a random part of her head. Well, you know, she was sexually assaulted in the first, like, right. part of the movie very disturbingly. But, and this is going to sound terrible, but at least I thought, not based on that, but based on the way she narrated and handled it, I thought that she'd be an interesting character. And then she ended up being not an interesting character and kind of blonde boring. 
and it, I was like, oh, you set me up to think you were going to kind of be interesting, and you're not. You know who was interesting in this movie to me? Who? Jessica Biel. Oh, she was kind of interesting. She was kind of, um... Well, you know, yeah, thanks for the double thumbs up, but that nobody could see that I did. Um, you know what kills me about, you know, her and the commentary on this sort of girl in general is obviously, you know, the phrase bros before hoes, right? No, bros before hoes? Theoretically. And there's an accompanying phrase, chicks before dicks. Yes. Here's the problem with that. Guys in general actually adhere to bros before hoes. But women aren't about other women. Women are about men, too. And so... I don't know. Sometimes I like my hoes before my bros. Well, I'll take that to heart. Thank you. But... I'll give them a high five. There's no high five for that one. But... Sorry about that. But Jessica Biel, you know, is is part of that oh-so-special girl class that, you know, puts guys before other girls, obviously, as she put this guy before her relationship with her roommate and friend. We used to call them slutty. That, too. Okay. Anyway, yeah, she was interesting. She got punched in the face by Dawson. Which was weird. I was like, really? We're hitting Jessica Biel now? I I wanted, like, the music to start playing. It's a different character. He took his Dawson mask off, Justin. Jeez. No, he had his Dawson mask on the whole time. That's why you were so confused. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I'm i ready for the the whole um, James Vanderbeek resurgence. I think with that Funny or Die stuff he did, he's going to go into comedy, which would be cool, because I think he's funny. Well, he was great in the Funny and Die. Um, Fun, funny and Die. <laughs> <laughs> that was telling. Um, funnier die stuff that he did, but I actually prefer Josh Jackson's funnier die skits. Oh yeah, yeah. When they he brought sh- back uh, Pacey for PaceyCon. Well, they could team up and have like a buddy cop comedy or something. I don't think they want to work together again. Probably that would be a little too much. Oh well, that's sad. I know. They should be able to put their differences aside and. Hey, know. I don't think there are any differences. Josh is on like a hit show. He's on Fringe. There you go. Well, hit-ish. So. Yes. Did we go over all the disturbing scenes in Rules of Attraction? Yes, we went over the ending, too, about how it solved nothing. Womp womp. He's trying to read my notes, you guys, and a lot of them really won't make sense, but. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Well, so if, if. Let's go back. Back before me. You're mm-hmm. you're sexually active. You're having sex with a guy, mm-hmm. and he pukes on your back. Done and done. Do you punch him in the face? I Did don't you... punch him in the face, but I probably freak out and possibly vomit myself from the sheer gross factor of it all. I think if yeah, I think if I was you know in the act and someone puked on me, I would probably never talk to them again. No, I'd be that'd be it. Uh, I might need some therapy. Some electroshock therapy? No, thanks. But you want to talk about OCD? I'd be like one of those people who sit in the bath for three hours, like with a toothbrush, scrubbing themselves. Yuck. Like, it would be that all the time. I would never feel clean again. Yuck. Yep. So, Justin. Yuck. What do you give this movie? Um, what would I give this movie? 
I would probably give it like a C, C plus. I'm going to go with either C minus or D plus. So you definitely liked Rules of Traction more than uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yes. <laughs> Though I didn't really appreciate either of them, so that's probably saying something. I'm sorry to be Debbie Downer this week. I'm just, like, disappointed. It's okay. Because Playboy found Rules of Attraction smart, sexy, funny, and provocative. Just because Beale takes her top off. Of course the Playboy liked it. What more could you want in a movie, says Time Magazine? More Jessica Beale boobs. More Jessica Beale boobs? That's what they wanted. There was no boobs. She didn't show her boobs. I think she did. Nope. Didn't she? Nope. You're like, I would have remembered that. <laughs> Definitely didn't happen. More Kate Bosworth. Well, yeah, she was pretty new on the scene at the time. This is, that was before she, you know, severely messed with her face. And got really, really skinny. She was skinny then, but I mean, like, really, really skinny. Nice. Yep, that's all I have to say about that. Well, you know what? What? There you go. <laughs> also, what? next week, yes. big number five zero. Oh, is it? Does that mean I get to choose the movies? 50. 50. 50. Does that mean I get 50, to choose the movies? 50. No. What? Because you pick bad movies. That's a lie. <laughs> you obviously are the one who picks bad movies. Requiem for it. I'm going to slip my wrists in the bathtub. Helen. No. Helen. I have the loop. Ew. Ew! There was the line, and you walked right over it. I even walked. You, like, pure on Tomei Parbure jetade over it. <laughs> nice job. Oh, Candyman. And on that note, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and send your hate mail to Justin at Justin Winters. And you can send your love notes and suggestions for better movies to me at Chris Winters with a K. Are they on purple paper with glitter? If I wrote them, they certainly are. That's how I wrote my notes back in the day. When I was 16, all my notes came on black or purple paper with, like, glitter pen. That's what the I crazy know. girl wrote I know. On. I saw it and felt like a pang of, oh, shit, that's how I used to write letters to people. Chrissy, oh, no. Oh, no. Hey, I'm still here. It's not a ghost. Just saying. We're good. Didn't commit suicide. High five. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird high five, but okay. Hey, you tried to give me one earlier. That was even weirder. Okay, well, I think next next week we'll watch something like the most popular movie ever that you've never seen. Or two of those. Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind. I haven't seen that. We should try Lord of the Rings again. No. It's going to happen. We'll see. Okie dokie. All right, I'm done. I'm going to go slip my wrist in the bathtub. Don't say that. I am. Ellen. No. Dildos, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs>